I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I don't my voice going properly yet. It's husky. It's not something I'm good. Just from the fish burn? Mm. It scratched the back of my throat, I think. Really? Mm, I think it has. I don't know how you managed to do that. I don't well, I couldn't see it. It was a tiny little bone right in the middle. You're not a very lucky person. No. You know? Like, some people I just think are lucky. Like, often things happen to you that are just kind of not not really, really bad, just mildly inconvenient. Yeah. Apart I'm, from that time you had, like, cancer, that was bad, bad. Yes. But a, a lot of things happen that's just mildly... Mildly inconvenient. Mm. Like the trains. Like, I know everyone has issues with the trains and stuff, but you are unfairly picked out quite often, you know, with... Bad, bad train things. Mm. Well, I've got a bad one coming up this Sunday because it's engineering work again. Mm. So It's because uh, you always go at the weekend as well. Yeah. But you often are just little, they little annoyances. Well, they follow you, Dad. Yeah. Unless maybe you're just more annoyed by them than anyone else. Uh, it could be that. Although, I think, uh, by and large, I've been blessed. By and large, oh, I'm very, obviously, very yeah. lucky with you. Uh, Have you seen a film called Just My Luck? No, I haven't. Film with Lindsay Lohan. And the premise of the film, it's not a great film, I'm not going to lie, is that she's just so unbelievably lucky, and then she kisses this boy, and then she passes all the luck to him. But then really, you know, the moral of the story is that no one's more lucky than anyone else. It's just... Yeah. Well, I saw... That's one of those films where you would write it down on the back of a cigarette packet or something. It's a high-concept movie, isn't it? I won't write on the back of the cigarette packet because I know that smoking kills. It does, that's true. But you would write it down on a little scrap of paper, a napkin or whatever, because it's a high-concept movie. And if you've got Lindsay Lohan and you just wrote the one sentence, they would say, yeah, we'll make that film. You'd get millions of dollars. The one I saw which, again, I think was supposed to be a high-concept movie. I watched about 10 minutes on Sky, and it just drove me mad. Uh, It was called The Invention of Lying, which is Ricky Gervais. Had got quite a big reputation in America because of The Office, so they thought, oh, he'll be great in movies, which, of course, he isn't. He's awful. Basically, he's in this town or in this country or in this landscape in which nobody can lie. Everybody tells the absolute truth all the time. Mm. And then he goes to the uh, bank and makes a mistake and says he's got $8,000 in his account, whereas actually he's only got $3,000. But because nobody lies, they give him the 8000 
and uh, he realizes then that he's invented this thing whereby you can get what you want uh, you know because up till then everything's been completely truthful but the most amusing thing about this film is uh, that louis ck has uh, a cameo role in the film so uh, ricky gervais is at this bar saying to the barman and to uh, louis ck who's the customer there saying if you could get anything you want what would you do what would you do if you could have anything you wanted and louis ck admittedly this was before it all happened Mm. louis ck says oh i touch women's boobs or maybe have sex with them oh and he does that anywhere so there you go i thought that's that's hiding in plain sight if you like gosh that's brilliant i'm surprised no one's picked that out and put it on twitter to be honest Uh, excuse me you're looking at someone who picked it out and put it on twitter did you just put the clip up i put the clip up and the caption was I think Louis C.K. is going to have to be more careful about his cameo roles in future. But it didn't have a huge reaction. Yeah, no, I was going to say. 20 likes and a couple of Poor show, really. Yeah, it is. Anyway, Um, we've gone absolutely, completely off course there. Yeah, should we start? Yeah. Just to welcome you properly, this is Ruthie, Uni, Dad and Me. I'm Ruthie. I'm a student at the University of York studying French and Spanish. And this is my dad. I'm dad. Nothing uh, interesting to say about him. Not so really. we'll move straight on. I saw a really interesting story in the Independent. See? Mm. Broadening my um, newspaper yeah. reading. It mentioned York St. John University, which is not the one I'm at, but it is the other university that's in York. And the polytechnic, as we call it. Yeah, but we don't call it that anymore because it's no. not right. <laughs> um, well, there's a bit of a rivalry, you know. The, you know, you don't yeah. like people to get it wrong that you're from St John's when you're not, and then they all think that we're posh and up ourselves, which. No, arguably, yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so but it does mention this one York St John University student who uh, told a story about um, sex work because the whole the whole article is about how a lot of students are actually turning to sex work in order to be able to like fund their education. So it says there are twice as many students this year compared to 2018 who are turning to adult work from uh, two percent to four percent. This includes sugar dating and having sex for money. And amid financial concerns and rising living costs, a survey has suggested... That's um, sugar dating. That would be dating older people who've paid for it, mm, not necessarily including sex, but possibly. Yeah, a lot of times I think, like, sugar-daddy relationships can work in which you are just... You're an escort. Yeah, or or not even an escort, because an escort implies more kind of sexual or whatever. I think more... I said sexual or whatever, which if anyone who goes to university listens to this will really make them laugh because they also I went to Catholic school and I think this is ingrained in me a kind of prudishness towards Mm. talking about sex and every time I say sex I go sex or whatever because I need to get away from the word (laughs) as fast as I possibly can Um, so yeah because the benefits of a Catholic education some people have it worse you know they have real true like deeply ingrained problems but i just say sex or whatever really quickly every time i have to say it um anyway yeah i think but sugar dating can also be kind of um more like just being someone for mm-hmm. someone to talk to like less or kind to go of to an shady event, you go to an yeah event to, you know, take some just along. take for coffee that i think it can be those types of things as well so this brings it to one in 25 students have turned towards some form of sex work. Um, the most common, it mentions things like selling your underwear or taking pictures of various things and sending it or 
ranges from quite so like notice the Catholic school kicking in there, <laughs> taking pictures of various things. <laughs> no, but um, it ranges for sort of quite mild things like taking yeah. pictures of your feet or something to all the way up to actually having sex with money. So yeah, pro- like proper sex work. But it's like really unsurprising because the Save the Student research, which Save the Student is a really good like financial tips website for students. Um, and it says that students spend an average of £807 a month on living costs, which is up from 717 in 2018. So mm. just like skyrocketed within two years. Um, and you can see that in the price of rent, like the company that most people get their houses for second year through, when we were looking at them, they said... I can't remember, we were on a, a house viewing uh, of one of them and he said that like everything on the website has gone up by £15 or something. Like just huge amounts within a year, which makes complete sense to this because it's £30 more living costs, so rent more expensive. And anyway, this second year student at the at York, St John, she told the independent that she carried out adult work as money was a massive concern, like not anything mm. really more than that. I think that there could be a preconception that you would have to be really, like, damaged or something to do this. But I think the whole article was kind of saying it's actually just a necessity mm. for a lot of people. I think if, you, if you're saying it's just purely an economic uh, transaction, I think you'd have to be really careful and really check mm. out. I mean, you could almost have a, a sister organisation, if you like, maybe, you know, a, a commercial organisation that checks out these things for yeah, you. Yeah, well, so it goes on to talk it's a about... business niche for you there. <laughs> it go, wouldn't you love that? Um, it goes on a little bit to talk about how we need to... So the, one of the f- slogans that a lot of these things come with is, like, sex work is real work and just, like, legitimising this work because it's going to happen anywhere. Rachel Waters, the women's students officer at the National Union of Students, says... Um, We know that the criminalisation of sex work does not stop sex work from happening, but only pushes it further underground, entrapping students further in poverty and isolation, which Mm. I think is completely true. It's very common. But one in 25, you know, you think there's 50 people on my floor, two people, really. Do you know the two that are doing the sex work? Yeah, yeah, there's um, one two doors down and then one at the opposite end. (laughs) No, of course, and obviously I know that one in 25 is not one in every 25 people that you meet but there will be a massive amount and it is sad the thought that someone would be forced into having to do that in order to just make ends meet now i wonder where you stand on the uh, never kissed a tory debate because <laughs> i know they were selling those t-shirts weren't they yes uh, well, they were wearing fruit. them at fre- no they were wearing them at freshers fair the yeah. the labor society were wearing yeah it's all a bit childish i would have said uh, rebecca long bailey who's one of the people who's standing for the leadership of the labor party yes. has said she's never kissed a tory and she has no tory friends jess phillips meanwhile who's no longer standing for the leadership said yeah she's happily kissed a tory she said i didn't vote her id that's very jess phillips yeah all the people i've kissed kissed in my life and she's basically by implication saying that uh, it's very childish that never kissed a tory it's funny though do you yeah, know what I mean? As a, joke, it's, as a joke, it's fine. But people people take it, and especially on... Well, I'll give you two instances where people take it too far. And there were students at Cardiff University, mm. which I read about, and uh, there were two Tories sharing a room. They made a thing about spitting on their window every time they went past. Oh, you see, that's wrong. Totally wrong, and the university said it's wrong. And then there's Rishi Sunak, who's the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, 
who is from York. So he had a picture of himself with a whole load of Yorkshire tea. So he, he's, he's oh, I've, uh, yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. Yorkshire tea, and of course he got a, a real pile on. Um, what's described here as a left wing pile on on uh, Twitter. People saying that they were going to boycott Yorkshire tea. Um, it's not really Yorkshire tea's fault either. Well, no, precisely. <laughs> they but they're yeah. saying because people were shocked that you know Yorkshire tea would allow itself to be uh, associated with the Tory Chancellor of the Exchequer. There were vows to boycott it. Somebody on Twitter said, your brand is F asterisk 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 ED now. What were the Irish would say? Fect. Your brand is fect now. There's actually a really funny tweet that I saw about this same thing. Yorkshire Tea, the brand Twitter page, so it said, like, so it's been a rough weekend. On Friday, the Chancellor shared a photo of our tea. Politicians do that sometimes. Jeremy Corbyn did it in 2017. We weren't asked or involved, and we said so the same day. Lots of people got angry with us all the same, which is very... Um, Yorkshire Tea's persona. They've got it right there on the thingy. And then um, the, a woman named Sue started... She's made the tweets unavailable now, but she just was so furious, like, shouting and shouting and saying how stupid it was. It was five tweets in between. And then Yorkshire Tea says, Hi, Sue. At the weekend, you criticised for something we didn't do. And now you're criticising for us for something we didn't say, from one human being to another. Would it be OK for you to stop now? And then she sends, like, four more tweets, which are just her, like, being so angry with Yorkshire Tea. And then they just put, Sue, you're shouting at tea. Please do look after yourself. Um, and so, Sue, you're shouting at tea. Should now, I want that on a T-shirt. Not never kissed Atari. Just, mm. Sue, you're shouting at tea. Yes, so even though you, you support, basically, Labour, you're not, uh, you don't agree with all this uh, political factionism. You're not going to... I think it's funny. If there was a but... Tory guy that you really liked, the fact that he was a Tory, would but, that well... stop you going out with him? In a way, it would. It wouldn't stop me going for a drink or whatever or kissing a Tory. Like, I think that's very different. But, like, being in a serious relationship, maybe, because I, I think it's ridiculous to say that politics aren't going to be important in a relationship because it's it's all, the whole way you see the world and the, how you, you think of people and stuff. Like, those are massive things. Like, I don't think I could have... Like, do you think you could be in a serious relationship with massively different political values to you. If you're a Tory and you're sincere about, you think it is the best way to be, and there, even if you... If you, you know who I, what I could never go out with someone who said that they were socially liberal but economically right? That pees me off. Why? Because then all you're saying is that, yeah, you socially, like, think everything's OK and stuff, you just don't want anyone taking any of your money. <laughs> Well, Which really well, annoys me. No, but when it comes down to it, when you get to elections and things, you vote for the party under which you're, you think you're going to be better off. Yeah, I agree. People do. Well, so. but I would like to think that people would vote for the party in which the majority of people would be better off, not in the one that they will be better off. Very difficult to choose. Very difficult. Yeah, I, I understand it is, and I think that that's quite a young person's way of I, it's a very mm. idealistic way of looking at things yes and i'm sure once i start getting taxed and stuff <laughs> like i'm sure that you you become more and more for yourself as you get older because you're more realistic about the way the world works now i can't remember this did you play with lego as yeah uh, i played with lego yeah yeah quite a lot i didn't what? have like the sets but i had 
we had we had a random big, assortment of We had of a big, big red box of big Lego red. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we still have it. To be bits. honest, I've not seen it for a long time. Oh, I hope we've still got so it. So do I. I just love. Lego. I, yeah, I used to love making a little house. Mm. I used to make that wind. Do you remember? I used to make a, made a windmill once. Mm. It was quite difficult. Yeah, well, a man with a tie. We had a we had a couple of pieces where you could they had eyes on and have, stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, in, in that case, you're probably slightly privileged. It's a book that Michael Bond has written. Michael Bond is a well-known children's author. Never heard of him, Paddington or something. And he says in his book, uh, Wayfinding, he says, if you're bad at directions, there's a new excuse. You were not given Lego to play with as a child. Uh, sexism towards girls, uh, young girls, obviously, such as steering them away from techie toys, such as trucks, Lego bricks, video games, etc., map rooms, reading all that has a long-term impact on their navigational abilities according to his book uh, he says women are often considered worse navigators than men this is often put down to biology i'm saying that it's very unlikely and that the real reason may be to do with culture and education now i'm the worst person you could possibly who has the worst sense of direction in you. our house absolutely but i mum's got a really good sense of direction unbelievable although she did have old brothers so i bet she did play more with those types of ties although she was the oldest as well though so she probably had her own i don't know yeah but but uh, so this looks like nonsense he said probably, this, I think, yeah. just to sell his book uh, which is called we ought to say it, it's called wayfinding yeah so you you played with lego and you can i played find, with lego but i also did a lot of i didn't i played with lego but i did a lot of pretend playing you know like not really with anything i did a lot of speaking to myself in various different weird outfits i feel Mm, yeah i think all kids do that yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know how much like i really played with you know i was just trying to think like what did i have really like gendered toys as a kid Mm. i think i did in a way i had a little kitchen and you had the princess dolls and all that sort of stuff Barbie, a lot of Barbies, Barbies yeah. yeah. Well, we had loads. We had from... loads of Barbies because I've got older sisters there. Yeah, but we also got new Barbies and that stuff, didn't we? I'm pretty sure we did. Barbies, we did a bit, but not loads and loads new Barbies because they stopped making them as good. They used to make these ones called Generation Girl dolls, which I'm, no one my age would really know about them because they're Anna's age, probably. Um, but yeah, Generation Girls, and they used to have different names, and they each had like a different career, and one of them was an artist, and one of them was like a painter. And they were really, really good. And then they then they started making like Barbie plain Barbie, like they were just not as they didn't have character the way that the Generation Girls did. No, was that trying to make them more or less sexist? Was it, but they, I suppose they weren't. They just felt really. There was one. There was a girl called like Chelsea. There was one that was Barbie, like Barbie equivalent who was, like, an actor or something. But they didn't feel... I think they started making them really obviously, like, Barbie can be a doctor now, like, you can be a doctor too, like, really too obvious, whereas the older ones kind of felt a lot more real, which is probably subconsciously, like, what you liked as a child. Just talk a wee bit about uh, consent. Mm. Uh, now, the reason t- I'm talking about consent is I was putting together our uh, award-winning entry uh, <laughs> for, for the podcast awards. So I was listening to some of the old podcasts, and we talked about consent to sex and what a sort of grey area is and how difficult it is. And I was asking if the university sort of helped you out with in that area. And you were telling me about this highly amusing uh, video they showed you mm. about don't force a cup of tea 
tea on tea. someone yeah. if they don't want a cup of tea. And just because they had a cup of tea last week doesn't mean that they're up for another cup mm. of tea. Cetera, if they're asleep and they've previously asked for a cup of tea but now they're asleep, you don't just pour the don't tea pour all the over tea them. On them. Yeah. Well, it's clearly still a problem, uh, assault. And you more assault because of misunderstandings, if you like, or because of the whole issue of consent. A university, this is East Anglia University, told a student who was accused of sexual assault to write an essay on consent. Oh, my God. After deciding there was insufficient evidence to take any formal action against him. The alleged victim had criticised the University of East Anglia for taking five months to start its investigation. And she said the delay had left her in limbo, suffering trauma, etc., mm-hmm. and on the verge of dropping out. Um, they did give her a £1,000 in compensation, but the, the police had decided not to uh, pursue this. And presumably that was because they didn't think they'd get a conviction, which is which is what happens in a lot of these cases. They don't they don't pursue them if they don't think it's a, an open and shut case. Details of the incident have emerged as universities are increasingly accused of having poor policies in place for investigating sexual abuse and harassment. The female student had informed the university in an email that the police had concluded their inquiries, which should have triggered the start of an investigation by the university. Mm. Uh, the university later said it didn't receive that information. So it's a sort of, you know, we didn't. He get says, the, she says. Yeah, we didn't get the email type thing. Uh, when it finally did investigate, yeah, you it, can't uh, pass this up with a. Oh, sorry, I missed this email. You know. Yeah. Well, when it finally did investigate, it told her there was insufficient evidence to establish it, which I suppose at that stage there would be. And she told the student newspaper that she felt completely let down by the university, and you know, like I say, the only punishment was he had to write an essay on consent. And I was wondering if you know, and these these. That's ridiculous, having to write an essay on it. Mm, That would make you feel about, like, this small. Yeah. And when I said this, I made a small little gesture. I think people would have guessed that. (laughs) I'm just wondering... I don't know what the policies are, to be honest. I think they should... When they're talking about consent, they should say, and these are our policies. Like, we operate a zero-tolerance policy and this is what happens. I'm sure the University of York does operate a zero-tolerance policy. Yeah, but but it's just like, how zero-tolerance is it, really? Do you know what I mean? Yes, but apart from the the thing about a cup of tea and not pouring out somebody who's asleep, mm. have you heard any more about this sort of issue? Because no, these no. stories do appear in the papers from time to time. No, there's there's no further discussion of consent. Mm. Without going into detail, is it something that you you know you feel you've had to deal with in terms of you know your social? Uh, well, you don't tell me about everything that goes on, but I think there needs to be a healthy boundary of what I do and don't tell you. You know? No, well, I'm just wondering if. There's, you know, because people, people of my generation, if you like, you know, mm. the, the Gallon community, we tend to think that oh, it won't be long before you, you know, it's a written consent. You, you have to like there's twenty listed things. You know, hand on the knee, yes, tick, I'll consent to that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that it's almost got to that level. No, it like, hasn't. All the no. like that's not what people do. It's but it's you, again. You, you I know imagine where, you know where your boundaries the, are. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, but then also like often these things take place where one or the other one member of the party is drunk or it's it's late or it's it's someone you know and you would feel uncomfortable with like I can definitely imagine myself being in a situation where you would feel uncomfortable to say oh I don't like I don't feel comfortable with this because that's a massively nerve-wracking thing to say or even and of course, if and you're even drunk, if they would if be, if you're drunk, you you wouldn't be able, you probably even wouldn't be able to articulate that because you not be as too... well. Or if you were nervous or shy, like 
And even if they were going to be absolutely okay with it, and they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, like, I'm not going to do anything that yeah. you're not comfortable with. And I think it's most, still, it's most still boys, nerve-wracking to most, say that. I mean, most boys, because you read the odd extreme case in the paper, and reading this, it sounds like a sort of, uh, you know, if you, I didn't go into the details, but basically it says here, the incident happened in the autumn of 2018 when the undergraduate returned to her boyfriend's house after a night out. She fell asleep and awoke to find the male student touching her, she said. Now, yeah. we, we, it doesn't say, you know, to what extent the touching went, etc., etc. So this may be a case of sort of misunderstandings, and obviously the police investigated and didn't take any further, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could still, mm. because often they just don't take things any further because they think, well, it's not going to stand up in court. Yeah, therefore, yeah. Uh, there's Regardless no of who it. is guilty or not it must put people off taking the whole thing to the police yeah i think it definitely would because then you think well what's the point of putting myself through all of this having to tell a bunch of random strangers these really Mm. massively personal things especially if it's a her boyfriend and Mm. i think that's often what what can be like the misconception with like assault cases or cases like consent and stuff is that you imagine it's someone that you didn't know it's a very clear thing where they're like yeah it's it's someone you've never met who is awful to you or whatever but often it can be someone you've had a previous relationship with and it's all been fine and then you don't consent which is obviously still you know if Mm -hmm. you can there can still be marital rape rape in relationships like they're not at all saying that there can't be but it's just I would feel you're much less likely to report it because you think, well, yeah. what's the point of me making this massive fuss of someone that I've previously really cared about in order to, and it's probably still do care about. I think there's also, I'll tell you what else is, a, is, a, is also an issue these days, and that is that the police, if they are investigating, so try and build up, I mean, in all fairness to them, to try and build up a case, they will take your mobile phone and look at what's on your mobile phone, mm. and then they've got to disclose it to the defence lawyer who might find that you've put all sorts of jokey sexy texts on way back and then they try and yeah. it becomes a character thing in court and they yeah, say exactly. well like, she is well up for it she's really yeah this well there was the case of i think i mentioned it on the podcast as it was happening and um, there was the case of a girl I believe it was in northern ireland but i can't i can't remember entirely you didn't mention it as it was actually happening no, no, <laughs> when it just after it happened as the case was ongoing yeah um who had her underwear held up in court yeah. and they were set there was huge protests in ireland at the time i think i think it was ireland basically saying like you can't use someone's underwear against them but regardless of whether people protest it or not that's humiliating yeah. and upsetting and i wouldn't want if something really awful happened to me, I wouldn't want my character called into question because I'm sure that it would be and I'm sure that they would dig up things that yeah. well, would yes, be uncomfortable. I, 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 and and, and then of... you think... Oh, and if they don't end up being prosecuted in the end, mm. then what's the point? Precisely. And you would think in the in the Weinstein case, for instance, you can understand now why people do sign non-disclosure agreements. You know, there were loads of those non-disclosure agreements, and these are people who stuck to them, you know, not appear in court to testify against him. Now, everybody says that the, the women who've testified against him have been very brave, which, of course, they have. Mm. But you can understand if you feel wrong by something that Weinstein's done and then you're offered then you have the choice don't you you can either report it take it to court go through all that that you said and have your character destroyed in court Mm. which it it often would be or you can especially by people like Weinstein's lawyers who I imagine are 
Yes. Brilliant <laughs> at that job. Has. I suspect he has. Yeah, we've all seen movies, I suspect. Yeah. He's got very good American lawyers. But you can understand why they think, well, look, yeah. I've had this done to me, which has caused this hurt. I can get from Weinstein's company, I can get $50,000 or $100,000, which, you know, may... Uh, assuage the hurt, the fact that you're getting the money, or I can go to court, and you can understand why. Uh, in the, the hundreds and hundreds of cases, yeah. and when it got to court, there was only five cases against yeah. him, and only, and only two, two out of those five, yeah. were, you know, was he found guilty on? So you can understand. Oh, I can copy. And I also wouldn't, I wouldn't call anyone cowardly for not coming forward with a case. Like I think, and I think especially at like a university, often people run in the same circles and. You don't want to be the girl that's accused everyone's friend of assault. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you want to have some music, Dad? Lighten the mood? Well, this will lighten the mood because this is a fantastic song. Holding hands at midnight Neath a starry sky It's nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try Strolling with the one girl Sighing sigh after sigh It's nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try 
Uh, Sarah Vaughan. Lovely. Are you, are you familiar? Are you familiar with the song? Uh, yeah, I have heard the song before. I wouldn't have known you. Wouldn't have been able to tell you what her name was. But yeah. well, it, and loads of people recorded it. I mean, Frank Sinatra's done it. Loads mm. of people. It's one of those songs that's known as a jazz standard, composed by uh, George Gershwin. You've heard of George mm. Gershwin, with lyrics by uh, his brother Ira Gershwin, and they wrote so many fantastic songs. That was originally written for a movie, A Damsel in Distress, which was performed by. Uh, Fred Astaire and it was published in 1937 back to the 30s Uh, Sarah Vaughan lived from 1924 to 1990 so she was 66 when she died Uh, an American jazz singer nicknamed Sassy and the Divine One won four Grammy Awards including a Lifetime Achievement Award and a critic uh, Scott Yano wrote that she had quotes one of the most wondrous voices of the 20th century and that was from her 1958 album which was reissued on a 1955 album called Sarah Vaughan in Hi-Fi. In 1955 we were all crazy about Hi-Fi. Listen to this we'd say and it was High Fidelity which we'd never heard before Mm. which was amazing and that those were the sort of albums that were selling in the mid-50s and do you know who loves that song? No. Bob Dylan. Ah. It's on... Uh, Bob Dylan did this. I've, I've lent you the CDs, but Bob Dylan did us, did this uh, radio show. And yes, you did hear that right. CDs. Mm. Theme time, which you're going to try and f- you're going to find someone there, in the there is a There is a room, because I've got CDs for audio... Um, like audio activities for yes. languages you've got to go to like a special room and stuff and i've actually not been yet i've had two activities of both of which i've just not done because uh-huh. you have to go to like this special room and i can never find it so i'm gonna that's gonna be my um objective is to well, find you... this room mm. well the, the stuff on the theme time radio hour is a one-hour radio show hosted by bob dylan it went out from may 26th to april 20 uh, sorry may 2006 to April 2009, uh, an eclectic freeform mix of blues, folk, rockabilly, R&B, soul, bebop, rock and roll, country, and pop music. So those albums of the things that he played in his theme time radio are absolutely all sorts of music, and he's explained it because he was brought up in Hibbing, Minnesota, which is right up on the Great Lakes, way up where radio signals from across the US could reach there very easily. So he heard African music stations, reggae, and it's all on those albums, sort of sweet music stations that would have played something like that Sarah Vaughan thing. And they're all there, a lot of rock and roll, a lot of rhythm and blues. And they're all the records that uh, influenced Bob Dylan. Loads of them, fantastic. Brilliant. Mm. And for my song this week, it's a song called Malamente by Rosalia. So going a bit Latin this week. Well, yeah, well, actually Spanish, because it is, it is a Spanish song. Um, What's malamente mean? So malamente is, um, it means badly, pretty much, but it's oh. not a real um, Spanish word. It's, like, completely ungrammatical. And um, she chose it because a lot of the song is, is about kids from the wrong side of the tracks and then also, like, old Spanish traditions and stuff like that. But the, it's from her album El Mal Quere, which is a lot of pressure on the old... 
accent here and the whole album is like a conceptual album about like toxic relationships and stuff but she takes a lot of like um flamenco music that would have kind of been i guess a bit cringy or just like not modern and a lot of like old traditional like spanish sounding things and then really brings them into the modern era she's won like five latin grammy awards and a grammy award and worked with pharrell williams and she's very very cool and i would recommend you watching the video of this song malamente and because she uses like motorbikes she's like bullfighting but it's motorbikes instead of and bulls and like lots of other things like that like flamenco inspired kind of hip hoppy dancing mm. it's very cool lots of good songs on the um, album as well A few uh, emails this week, Ruth. Good, Dave, good. David Ailes says um, he loved your Squeezy Yogurt podcast. Uh, that's because I, um, I, I'm always looking for a title for the, when, when I put it on Acast. Mm. I always look for a title, and it's usually a quote from you. And last week's title was I'm trying to save the planet, but I did buy some Squeezy Yogurt pouches for little kids. So he said, I love the Squeezy Yogurt uh, podcast. I'm on uh, holiday in Spain now for two months, so we'll be able to listen to Malamente. Um, 3.30am at the moment Uh, love the natural conversation between you two Uh, so bless you for that David Uh, Chris Bryant, big fan he has uh, headlined his email tofu versus meat hi both, I listen to about 15 different podcasts every week and I look forward to yours each week the most Wow! top out of 15 He says, I'd like to comment on the piece you did last week about the environmental impact of plant foods relative to meat. Ruth might not need to give up her pescatarianism quite so fast. You did, of course, mention that the study is unpublished. So this was the study we talked about last week where farmers said that uh, tofu is worse for the planet than uh, meat. And the National Farmers Union is, of course, eager to interpret this in a way which favours their industry. Uh, The analysis still found that beef was worse for the environment than tofu. And the author is quoted as saying, uh, without a doubt, peas and ground nuts always have a lower environmental impact than any livestock products. Mm. Uh, The article also discussed other studies, including a 2018 study from the University of Oxford, which found that uh, giving up animal products could cut your carbon footprint by up to 6 73 percent he says i'm very impressed by the sense of responsibility that ruth shows on this topic of course she can just decide to eat meat like everyone else if she wants to but she decides to do the right thing good for you ruth does he say that? He says, good for you, Wow, Ruth. you usually get roasted in these emails. I know, I know, like vegetables. Uh, you may have missed the boat on Veganuary, but perhaps you could use this show as a platform to invent moo-free March and encourage your <laughs> listeners to give up dairy for March instead. Uh, the envir- environmental impact of switching to oat milk is huge. And he says, thank you both for the laughs and keep up the great work. Oh, that's so lovely, uh, you know. Some laughs as well, isn't that nice? Hmm. And uh, Mark Lewis, I'm now getting getting people writing to me with advice, wanting advice on parenting. My God, do, Mark, do not take it. Mark Lewis says, one request, as a father of a five-year-old daughter, and with my wife... Judy, it is a miracle that I've tr- turned out like this. Go, oh, you're <laughs> and not in some the, kind of... Well, no, 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 but not in some kind of crack den. 
He says, uh, I wonder if you have any top tips for successfully bringing up well-rounded young ladies to navigate life's potentially choppy waters. From the podcast, Ruth is a credit to you. Don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, only an hour. <laughs> from the podcast, Ruth is a credit to you and Mrs. Kellner, and you have a great relationship with her. Uh, and Martha, is, this is another daughter, is clearly carving out a cracking career in sports journalism, which was a typically male-dominated environment in the past. She's a groundbreaker. That girl. So is that, that nice? Yeah. Isn't that nice? Um, and uh, I've sent him a bit of advice. Thank you. Hmm. What did you say? I said the important thing is listen to them and talk to them and discuss things in Aww. a calm and reasoned manner. And not like I would. Let's talk about your mum largely. Um, oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or shout at them like I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, judicious use of swear words. They know you're being I serious. I think it is interesting in that, like, this podcast has kind of created, obviously amongst very few people because you know it's not the most highly listened to thing in the world no it's not <laughs> not compared to the kardashians but in our own little way we sort of do all right for the um i think the important thing is that uh, everybody else uh, who's got girls largely mm. and i have to say the, the audience is uh, it seems to be mostly male, or at least the people who write to us are, are quite male, mm. and they're usually dads. And uh, I think it's always interesting, whatever your own relationship is, whatever your own, uh, you know, whether you've got daughters, sons, whatever, the relationship between parent and child is uh, is interesting. Yeah, think, it's interesting because you know, it's it's also like it's... also in the podcast world. If you're in the podcast world, there are so many podcasts that are too rather like the one that I do when I'm not doing the one with you, which are two guys laughing at each other's jokes. There yeah, well, there's all those jokes that says if you're a 30 something man and you've not started a podcast with your friend like what are you doing and whatever um but but i do think like parent child relationships are interesting because they're obviously not for everyone like some people have terrible parents who should never have been parents and stuff but for the most part i hope that your parents love you unconditionally which makes it an interesting relationship because there's no backseas on it you know when you have friends if a friend is awful or you know you drift apart or whatever you get out of it it's the same with sibling relationships Mm. you you can get out of those friendships but when you are tied to each other in the way that you are with family there's stuff holding you together Mm. no matter like no regardless of whether it's a good relationship for a year or not like you're kind of just in it parents love their children unconditionally but we don't love them all the same. So I, as you know, I have a sort of league ranking. So if we, know, it moves around constantly, moves you know, constantly. You're, you're trying to get into that Premier League you, spot. You don't want to be in the relegation zone. <laughs> You've only got to turn up half an hour late one week, and mm. you know you slip down a place. Yeah, my train was late today, and I was texting. I was saying, "Sorry, I'm so sorry. Please don't let me drop." Yeah. <laughs> Did you have something else on your mind? Yes, I do have something on my mind, Dad. I read a really interesting article that said, a ban on intimate relationships between staff and their students at University College London is a wake-up call for universities, campaigners have said. And so they've put in a policy which is banning intimate relationships between superiors who are like directly in charge of mm. um, students. Or I think that was or banned anyway. Exactly. This is the third university overall and the first russell group university to put this policy into place can you can you actually believe that 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 is not just inherently in university policy 
Yeah, I thought it. I thought it would be. I mean, when, yeah. when I think about the number of films I've seen where there's um, an inappropriate relationship. Yes, um, Michael Caine educating Rita. The uh, Graduate. The, what's that film about? Oh no, the, the Graduate. He's having a relationship with the mother of his girlfriend. Whoa! I've never, I've never read the. It's a play, isn't it? Yes, it started off as a novel. Uh, oh, really? By, yes, written by a guy called Charles Webb. Wow, that's some good knowledge. It's almost <laughs> as if you um, Wikipedia'd that, Dad. Almost as if. There, yeah, there's loads of these films that show these inappropriate Lots relationships, um, and I just assumed that that was like always what there was. But it does, and I kind of thought that this was sort of a. A relic of a bygone era, yeah. you know, of having relationships with staff students. But there was a story, I mean, about a girl called Emma that's um, not her real name, but they say, about the her, her own supervisor, like, invited her out instead of meeting her on campus, like, kept meeting her, like, in, asked to meet her in a pub. And then when she arrived, she assumed it was going to be in a professional capacity. And mm. all of a sudden he was acting like it was a date and she didn't know what to do because she didn't want to make it uncomfortable for her in the next things and there's a few stories like that of that that has been the reason why they've put this policy in place or whatever and then like loads of the specificities specifications Mm. loads of the specifications of the policy are things like um where possible meetings should be taking taking place on campus you shouldn't be emailing from your personal email you should be using your work phone and you thought i thought that's gone. You mm. know, that, oh, not gone. I know that some people will still take advantage or whatever. But I thought that generally people had kind of stopped sleeping, lecturers had kind of stopped sleeping with undergrads. Like You would have thought so, um, but it's still going on. The film yeah. I was thinking of after The Woody Allen one. Well, the Woody Allen one is called Irrational Man. It's a terrible film. <laughs> and it's Whacking Phoenix. Who, uh-huh. What, he's 40s, 50s? Mm, yeah. And he's sleeping with his student, who is Emma Stone. Ah, uh, uh, yes. very early Emma Stone I've film. seen, I've seen, I've not seen it, but I've seen pictures trailers and, and trailers. Pictures. And yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Well, I watched the whole film. He likes um, Emma Stern a lot does Woody Allen The Saturday job is an interesting uh, this is probably more appropriate when you were a teenager but the Saturday job appears to be uh, dying out. Well, that, that oh, makes really? sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, people used to do all sorts of things on a Saturday. All your uh, your siblings had Saturday jobs, but that's because Saturday mm. jobs were available. Um, Martha, who was obviously... They are much less available much now. Much less available. Uh, and the trend, according to the Resolution Foundation, which is one of these think tank uh, things, uh, the trend for the disappearance of Saturday jobs could harm young people's prospects and is contributing to a rise in the number of those of working age who have never been employed. It should prompt a pause for thought, the think tank warns, uh, given evidence that working at the same time as studying actually improves long-term educational and employment results. Your problem, this is actually your Saturday job, even though we're recorded on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, the fact you do need to be doing something outside university that is what do you think so yeah i think so just and even like Uh, i have amongst your chums do some of them work in bars and things not while they're at university most of them have had a job at one time or another have a job for the holidays and things but while they're actually at university not so much but like most of them have worked um but i always think like so i've worked at sports direct and then this for ages and i know this is a very untraditional type of job and i'm very lucky to have it but at least it does give me something where i'm i am to an extent working in a professional capacity like i don't know how you would go straight from university into a full-time job and not having done anything that's not education 
And it's a shock to the system, I think. You know, even when you, you know, say you're going and do a bit of work experience, the fact that Mm. you've got to be there all day in the one place, if you like. I mean, this is what, when you were working at Sports Direct, which was only like a sort of Christmas job, wasn't it, over the Christmas holidays? A bit longer, but yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, When you were doing that, you were always, I used to walk down with you, and uh, if I came to meet you when you were coming out of work, you were always phenomenally tired. I mean, in fairness, though, I think place. that was partially Sports Direct Wakefield's <laughs> fault. Like, it was a soul-crushing place to be in. Like, it was not nice. No. Uh, but that's Sports Direct, I think. That probably is Sports Direct. But, yeah, and, even so, And like, if what's-his-name Mike Ashley is listening, he's welcome to dispute it. Yeah. Uh, or even stuff like um, I've got, like, this writing job that I'm doing at the moment, which is forcing me to send a lot of, like, professional emails and stuff, which I... Which I remember having to send my first ones when I was, like, 16 and just literally being, like, having to send a picture of them and ask mum, like, can I send this? Like, does this sound okay? And now I can do emails quite quickly and professionally and responding to stuff on time, meeting deadlines. Like, it's those types of things outside of university that Yes, because you didn't know how... You had to send an invoice... Uh, yeah, I had to look up how to do it instead. Did no. you just look up on the internet? Yeah, yeah, I just voice. Googled it. But, like, it is those types of things that make you just more mature. It's interesting that, that these days, if you don't know how to do something... You can just, just Google, Google it, it. yeah. Uh, I must have told you about that cartoon I saw, which is one of the most brilliant cartoons I've ever seen. There's a woman who's doing a fried egg uh, mm-hmm. on the stove. The eggs caught fire and the pans caught fire, and she's standing there over the stove, and there's like a, a conflagration coming out of the frying pan, flames all over the place, mm-hmm. and she turns around to her husband and says, Quick, Google it! <laughs> Well, Ruth, you've amused us once or twice already with uh, tales of your Catholic uh, education and everything. Anything specifically to amuse us this week? Um, specifically, I liked this your crush, that was quite funny. It says, VK, think your initials are your best quality. Can we be more? And I thought maybe you wouldn't understand this. VK is the name of a drink. Uh, like, it's like an alka-pop drink, yeah, you know, like WKD. Yeah, yeah. But it's what everyone drinks, and I never really had heard of it that much before because everyone drank a lot of like WKDs, a bit of VKs. But yeah, VK, I think your initials. So I liked that your crush. And then... We ought to explain that your crush is... Uh, where you can, yeah, yeah, you can post your um, anonymous... Lonely hearts. Crush. Um, confession of love or whatever. And then I never know what's appropriate from your fest your because some oh. of them are quite yeah, it quite matter. rude. It doesn't matter if they're rude. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the... This was what I thought was the funniest Yorfest, but I didn't know whether it was a little bit inappropriate. Well, but, let's, let's judge. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. So it says, um, life doesn't get, get worse than having a Derwent guy. Derwent is the name of one of the colleges. Um, pie off a shag to go to catered breakfast. <laughs> but that was quite funny. Mm. People will, anyone who knows the expression pie off, which is, um, it's a young person's expression, isn't is it? Is it? Do you yeah, not yeah, have yeah. that as much? Not as much, but um, very amusing. I don't really have a meme for you this week, I'm afraid. There was just nothing that I found, nothing spoke to me, loads and loads. Do you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to give the address for the emails. 
And of course, as I so always if you're say, still with us, <laughs> yes, as I always say, the more you do, the less we have to do. But it is interesting if uh, people either open up a discussion or continue a discussion that yeah. we've already started. So if you would like to, it's Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. That's Martin and Ruth Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And while you're on your computer or your phone or whatever, you can go over to Spotify and listen to the songs in full from this week on our playlist. Um, if you search Ruthie, Uni, Dad, and Me, or Martin and Ruth or Ruthie podcast any of those things you'll find the playlist and it'll have the songs in full from this week and all the other weeks excellent thank you very much indeed for listening planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.